0: Back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast, presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brandon Nunez. Bryant West, back on the show. I like this. I like this. Back consistently, two episodes in a row. How's hey. it going, Bryant? Hey, it must be
1: college basketball draft season. It I'm must here. Speed. <laughs> I'm excited. We watched uh, two very fun uh, physical prospects uh, this week, um, who will likely be either at the beginning or around Sacramento's draft range, uh, assuming the Kings don't jump into the top four. So uh, it's pretty fun to uh, dive into some dudes that uh, I hadn't gotten a ton of chance to watch during the college basketball season. So uh, let's get talking about uh, Tari Eason and Jalen Duran.
0: Yeah, as much as I had fun doing Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith on the last one, there is something about diving into guys that I just don't understand very well. Initially, at the beginning of the process, and it's just so fun. I guess just different to me to actually get to spend the time of like learn someone's game kind of starting from nothing, to be honest. Like, I'm not somebody that watches college basketball or just because there's a game on or something. I watch four prospects and start at you know pretty late in the season and then get caught up at a later point. So, it was definitely me getting familiar with these guys. And, like you said, today's plan Tari Eason. Uh, LSU and Jalen Duran, and we're gonna start with Tari Eason here he is a very interesting player Um, for these guys because like I said I mean for myself I didn't have a great understanding of these guys I would imagine that less listeners understand who these guys are compared to Chet and Jabari so probably do a little bit more basics of background and and give people an idea if they haven't seen him Um, Tari Eason is 6'8". And he just finished playing his sophomore year at LSU, where he averaged 16.9 points, 6.6 boards, 1 assist, 1.9 steals, and 1.1 block. Uh, Monty McNair, the stocks guy, apparently, so take that for what it is. 52% from the field, 35% from three on 2.4 attempts per game, and 80% from the free throw line on 5.7 free throw attempts per game. Bryant, like where, where do you want to start with Tar Eason?
1: Uh, I think when it comes to Tar, you got to start with the defense. Um, He's uh, like you. I didn't watch a ton of LSU games during the uh, middle of the season. So I'm kind of just catching up now that all the games are done and man, I was just overwhelmed by uh, how exceptional a defensive prospect he is. He's probably been my favorite dude to watch so far this year on defense Uh, aside from Chet Holmgren. um, He's also pretty versatile on offense, uh, really flourished at LSU this year. Uh, But, I mean, end-to-end, he just plays full throttle almost all the time. Um, His aggressiveness and confidence just can't get turned off, which is a double-edged sword considering his current skill set. But when you watch a dude play that hard on the defensive end, and, you know, you talked about his uh, his overall numbers – But when you look at him per 36, 2.9 steals per 36 minutes, 1.6 blocks, uh, an insane 6.2% block rate. Um, I mean, his combination of 4.5 stocks per game is better than any projected first-rounder besides Chet, Mark Williams, and Walker Kessler. Um, So this is a dude who just makes stuff happen on defense. And he came off the bench all year, aside from four games in the middle of the conference season. He was the SEC's sixth man of the year, but also made the All-SEC first team. Um, He was fifth in total minutes played for LSU, but he led the team in points, field goals, and blocks, and was second in rebounds and steals. Um, So it's a really kind of unique uh, season for him. But when you just watch any tape for 10 minutes, you can see why teams are suddenly considering this dude uh, a late lottery prospect
0: definitely somebody that's risen from where they were at at the beginning of the season or even months uh, a month before the his sophomore season uh concluded when he was at LSU like just has climbed so much and like you're saying I mean a 6'8 220 guy that has that sort of combination of strength and athleticism and being very fluid and defensively, I think what stood out to me the most is like just switchability, which obviously is going to come with everything that I just laid out there in his athletic build. But also, I mean, so much of defense is is effort, and that's never a concern with Eason. If anything, sometimes maybe it's a little too much, like you were kind of hinting at a little bit there that we'll get into. But it's the switchability for me. Like, I um, don't like to go to positions as much as maybe I used to. I'm kind of subscribing a little bit more to this positional basketball terminology, but I think defensively is where, like, big difference between a four and a five, right? Yeah. And to me, uh, I think Eason is a four. Uh, Not that he can't be the five, but I think he's his best defensive talent to me is... On the perimeter, rather than like being asked to be the rim protector of a team.
1: Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I don't think that if you ask him to go in there and be the uh, end all of your rim protection, that that's a great use of his skill set. But I mean, he's just the complete package. Uh, six eight, like you said, plenty of explosiveness, uh, just a, an incredible amount of fluidity for his size and strength. Uh, super aggressive. Uh, I thought he was a really smart defender, both on and off the ball this year. Um, Really quick to close at passing lanes. His help defense is uh, incredibly quick. He covers ground so damn fast and takes good looks away. Um, LSU played incredibly aggressive press defense all year, and Tari played perfectly into that, um, kind of as a free safety of sorts. But I also do trust his on ball ability, especially like you said on the perimeter. I'm so very comfortable rejecting him in space at the next level. Um, he can flip his hips super quickly, kept his balance with a ton of SEC guard opponents. Um, I think he's just going to be a chaos factor on defense while also being a pretty damn good on ball defender.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I feel like typically it's hard. Difficult to be confident that a guy is going to be a good defender when you're not talking these outliers like a Chet Holmgren or um, Evan Mobley or Onyeka Okongwu fell into that. Like uh, I know we were both really high on Isaac Okoro, but like for a guy that's probably in I don't know second half of the lottery or we'll see where Eason ends up because I think there's going to be a decent bit of probably a pretty big tier. Of where yeah. he could uh, arrange for him. Um, but to have a guy that, like, I agree with you, I feel confident is going to be a very impactful defender, not just a good defender that, like, holds his own. Like, I think he's a playmaker on the defensive end. Um, and it's extremely valuable in today's NBA. And it's certainly not a nothing on the other end either, although maybe it's where things are a little bit more complicated. Um, am I overhyping my like uh, am i believing too much in it translating to the nba the Um,
1: i i think that anytime you talk about a prospect at this level um even when you and i are saying man he one of the better defensive prospects we've seen in that kind of lottery range this year um it, it is key to note that every single dude who's not evan mobley takes more time to transition on defense than we ever expect. Um, and I'm sure the speed of the game is going to take Tari uh, a, a while to catch up to. But in terms of just projecting that transition, I mean, it. I would be very surprised if he is not at least a decent defender by the end of his rookie season. And it may be quicker than that because he's just a dude who his his innate ability to know and ha- know how to help on defense, uh, how to stay in front of Kentucky guards, Alabama guards switched at a moment's notice. I, I just was as impressed by him as I have been from a six eight power wing uh, in, in at his skill set. So,
0: yeah, I mean it was kind of difficult not to be. It's a guy that. Going into it, I think uh, you definitely got a head start, and we're the one that recommended we do Tari, and you told me <laughs> I would love watching him, and you were very right. Um, you know, and typically, if you're saying that, you and I have similar taste. I think, yeah, very, very we enjoy similar in basketball. So I knew it would be a good one, and it did not disappoint on the defensive end. Uh, going through Tari Eason, when it comes to his fit with the Kings on the defensive end, it's pretty much everything you could ask for no without being some ridiculous like again Chet Holmgren or yeah I, I don't not trying to hype up Tari as like defensive player of the year type thing or anything like this like he's not coming in and making you a good defense when you're you know the king's sitting at what 26 27 this year mm-hmm. and that's a significant improvement from being worst in the league like they were the season before like I don't think Tari comes in and fixes everything but I think he's a step in the right direction. Like Harrison Absolutely. Barnes is a... Maybe, well, Harrison Barnes is slowed down, but I think Harrison Barnes was somebody that was viewed as like a plus defender, but I don't think he makes you a better defense. I think he can just be part of a good de- defense, and I think Tari yeah. improves it.
1: Look at in the Kings range, assuming they don't jump into the Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith range can't honestly say that there's a dude I would trust more to impact this team's defense more than Tari aside from maybe the dude we'll talk about in a little bit I think that's a, a discussion at least but like I trust Tari Eason on the defensive end decently more than I trust Keegan Murray and that's not to say that Keegan Murray's defensive stats aren't pretty damn good for a dude at his offensive usage rate but Tari Eason was just a totally different uh, defensive event creator. Um, Like you said, it's not going to change the Kings overnight, but it's a step in the right direction. It's a player at a defensive position that they completely and utterly lacked this year. Um, So uh, if you're looking for defense, I think that he's going to be the most interesting dude in the Kings range. Um, we should talk about his – the the clear and obvious weakness when it comes to his defense is uh, his foul trouble. Um, to a certain extent, after watching a bunch of tape, I don't really care about his foul rate as much. Um, LSU's defense was just so naturally aggressive and relied on Tari being this elite defensive playmaker that he is. So I think they were fine with it for most of the year. Um, does that mean – He needs to learn more defensive discipline at the next level. Absolutely. Um, Does he have a bunch of silly fouls at LSU? Absolutely. But I know you agree with me here when I say I'd always rather have players have to learn restraint than have to learn to be more aggressive on defense. Um, We use that logic all the time when it comes to passing and in advanced playmaking. I just want to see my defenders take chances if they have the skill set and the tools, and I really think Easton does. Um, So,
0: Very clearly gives a damn while he's out there. You never have to question that, (laughs) and that's something that I think is lacking a lot with the Kings, sadly, and that type of stuff is infectious. You know, like, I think the... Rashawn Holmes isn't anywhere near, like, they're not the same defenders in any sort of way, but I think when you think of, like, a guy that you see is busting his ass while he's out there and maybe it's just like okay you could calm down a little bit and that's why maybe getting in poor positions and in foul trouble like it almost reminds me of that slightly again mm-hmm. very different defenders but in the same like crazy amount of effort is probably leading to a couple more wh- whistles than than you would like to see um and, and that's something that like genuinely was taking Tari out of games throughout this season like He's fouling out of a, a handful of games. I don't have the exact amount of time. I do. Uh, okay. He fouled out of he fouled out of six
1: of the thirty three games this year. Um, three straight games he fouled out. Um, February twenty third against Kentucky, he, he played thirteen minutes and had five fouls. Uh, February twenty sixth against Missouri, he played twenty minutes, fouled out, uh, and then March second against Arkansas, he played eighteen minutes and fouled out and still had 24 points and seven rebounds. So only one of those games was a game where foul trouble just absolutely kept him from contributing meaningfully on the floor. So um, definitely needs some discipline, but again, it's really hard to separate what LSU was doing on defense with his defensive intensity and mistakes there. I don't think that we're gonna look at him. Boy, this is a deep cut. You're not gonna remember this guy. Jason Thompson's foul trouble uh, when he was a King was just so constant and and destroyed so many games for him. Uh, And I know a whole bunch of Kings fans are just gonna remember that and be like, oh, we really don't wanna do that again. But I think that, like you said, I don't care so much. Uh, I'd rather have that dude be that aggressive and that much of a defensive playmaker and try to fix it with a smart coach who tries to slow him down just a tad.
0: Totally. Um, Last thing before we move on from his defense. Well, I guess rebounding should be acknowledged. um, Oh, yeah. But he's a good rebounder. He's a forward. Like he's playing alongside another big man. So his rebounding Mm -hmm. numbers are not going to be ridiculous when you're looking at what he did at LSU. Again, 24 minutes a game. And he's pulling down 6.6 of them with just 2.3 of those being offensive, 2.3 of again, 6.6 on average per game. Um, I don't think that he like pops as a rebounder or anything, but in either way, like you're never like, oh, this guy got beat and and you're noticing it very clearly. Or like he he pops, I I guess he does have some boards because he's so athletic and active that do Mm -hmm. stand out, but I don't know that I think of him as a high level rebounder but also not a negative rebounder like I think for his size and archetype he's a solid rebounder
1: I'd agree with that Um, I will say that he's not a dude who's going to get boxed out without a fight Uh, but I also don't think he's going to come in and um, be second on the Kings next year in rebounds Um, but again it's just a step in the right direction there
0: so. Yeah. last question I have here on defense and I think Tari's a guy we probably end up spending more time on defense than offense well we'll see how it goes I guess yeah. Um, you know when we talked about Chet and I think this is the question if you're talking about a forward that you're pairing with DeMontis Sabonis is that is there an ideal answer to which one of them and let's say in this one it's Tari Eason and DeMontis Sabonis is the one guarding the pick and roll Like, because when it's Chet uh, like we talked about in the last episode I kind of think like if you're not having check guard the pick and roll, you're yeah. taking away one of his best skills. Mm. Tari, uh, I mean, we just didn't see it all that much at LSU, right? They're very switch-heavy. Um, mm-hmm. There's moments. But, you know, do you think that it's a pretty obvious fit there? Like, to me, I think it's good to have Sabonis involved in the pick and roll rather than having, like, weak side responsibilities and having to get out to the perimeter to close out. Um, and meanwhile, Eason can have Sabonis's back when he's in the pick and roll and be that like weak side rim protector mm-hmm. who can close out hard and, and be on the perimeter when he needs to be. No,
1: I agree that it's not as clear cut a, a decision as Chet is just cause Chet's ridiculous size just makes it so much more obvious. Um, and while Tara did play some small ball five at LSU this year, That's not such an immediate translation for me. Like he's he's probably got a plus seven foot wingspan, but he is six eight. Um, I agree with you that the ideal there is more of a balance, but there's no way that teams aren't going to try to hunt Sabonis in the pick and roll more than uh, you know Tari once he's got a year or two of experience in the league. So. Um, it's not a clear-cut answer, but I will say that I am excited to see Tari play more uh, pick-and-roll coverage at the next level because he, he's just got the quickness and the defensive instincts, I think, to be pretty dang good at it.
0: Definitely. I think there's reasons to buy it. And I guess outside of the Kings, just in general, do you think that... Just quick hitter here. Do you think that there's teams that will try to play tari as a five in the long term and view him that way
1: uh boy i would hope his future team doesn't just say yeah we're gonna box you in as a five um because but could you see it could i see it yeah um i I just wouldn't love it he's he's not that tall he would be it's the rashawn holmes case Uh, uh and to be fair i think he's probably a little bouncier um, An explosive than Holmes. But if that's the dude you're asking to be your five man, even if he is a very good, versatile defender, you're still limiting yourself against a third of the league in terms of dudes who are just going to overwhelm with size. So.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Um, okay, go into his offense. Um, I think let's start with the three-point shot. He has a lot of intriguing aspects to his offense all around that we'll get mm-hmm. to here, but I think I'm going to start with the three-point shot because we know what he's going to be on defense or not know what he's going to be, but I think I have a decent idea. I feel confident about him on the defensive end. And offensively, there's a lot of flashes, but you don't know what actually is going to click. At least that's kind of where I'm at. But if the three-point shot is working and he's a plus defender, fits that typical three and D mold, that is just instantly very valuable in the nba and honestly what the sacramento kings need from a six eight guy that's a, a four who is a three and d player and in his season final season a uh, sophomore year at lsu his catch and shoot numbers are pretty solid it's it's 35 percent from deep in the entire season on 2.4 attempts per game but unguarded catch and shoots there's not all too many but he's in the 84th percentile. Mm. Overall, catch and shoots, he's 76th percentile. That's 38th in guarded. Um, I don't know that he has, like, the quickest release or anything no. like that, I would say. Very um, much A little funky. I, I came to realize that, like, there was a massive rework of his shot at some point mm-hmm. um, in the process of him getting to where he's at now. But, you know, it goes in at, at very least, like, a okay rate, right? Like if you just had to simplify it of will he be an okay spot up three point shooter, do you have faith in, in eason to be that at the NBA? Uh I do have faith that he'll find a way to at least be
1: an average shooter. uh do I have faith that he'll be more than that, not especially, but it's hard to ignore the numbers. Like you you, you mentioned his shooting stroke. Uh it's definitely been reworked. Um but his new form, even if it's pretty dang consistent, it, I mean, he's got super long arm prospects. And we all know how um, some dudes, when they just have their arms are so damn long, is, it, it's a lot longer release point. And his reworked shot kind of just looks like he's shooting the ball um, out of one of those old medieval catapults. Uh, but he, Yeah, he does it off his shoulder. Um uh, like you said it's a obvious, apparently a reconstructed shooting mechanic since he got to LSU. Um and the numbers across the board sure indicate it's working like he was an 80% free throw shooter this year. So it's not like he's a dude who just shot 40% from 3 but 60% from the line and we have to go on faith. Um and it's it, almost it, six free throws a game. Yeah. Um now his shooting volume isn't high enough to where I'm comfortable saying that it that he's got consistency here. Um, 411 scoring plays in the half court last year. Only 92 percent of them ended up being jump shots. Um, like you said, catch and shoot numbers are pretty dang good. Uh, in some of the highlight reels, he's just doing off the dribble three pointers. Like anybody who wants to go, believe in Tari's and just go watch the Alabama the at Alabama game I watched this morning because, oh, boy, that's a a shooting uh, game for Tari if I've ever seen one. But um, didn't take many mid-range shots. Nearly 80% of his jump shots were from three, and 50% of them were closer to the paint. Um, so the numbers are there. The volume is somewhat not there. But it's promising at the very least to the point where – if I think he's going to come in and suddenly be teams aren't going to zero in on him on offense as like this dude, they have to pay attention to at the very most, I'm going to say his relative ceiling on offense is just going to be a fourth, fifth guy who makes his value on the other end. So as long as he hits average, slightly above average deep shooter for his position, heck I'm, 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 perfectly wonderfully happy getting that in the uh mid to late bottom
0: definitely um i started with his three-point shot acting like he's just a basic three and d spot up player on the offensive end and does what he what we walk through on defense that's definitely downplaying it but it's just more of like at very least i see that as working again because of what he's going to bring on the defensive end of the floor that if he can hit spot up threes and that's enough, but there's a lot more flashes than just that sort of game on the offensive With of Atari. You mentioned some of the off the dribble shooting, which I'm extremely skeptical of, I got to say. Uh, go watch. But, if you haven't watched it yet, go watch that Alabama no, game. <laughs> I will get to that actually after, before the end of the day here. Um, part of him being able to cr- create space for himself and, and shoot off the dribble is creating space by having a decent handle. Um, I don't know that it's a phenomenal handle or anything, but, like, for a guy that's 6'8", it's really good. And I'm still kind of playing with what does that mean because I saw that wording a lot, and I agree. Um, Is he – I don't know. I I still think there's an aspect – I'm very skeptical of big man handles translating to the NBA. And I do really like Tari's. I think it's better than like what a typical big man handle is, like maybe the next guy that we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, I mean, what sort of level of driver and creation when it comes to his handle did you see from Tari?
1: Well, for me, I understand the skepticism when it comes to big man handles because there's, there's so many um, bigs who flash at least a decent handle in college. And then it just, they come into the league and point guard and smaller defenders are just like, I'm going to just swipe that out of your hand. For me, it's more the fact that he is a very promising scorer across the board, more just hints at versatility for a dude, like I said, I think is going to be a fourth or fifth option on offense. And at that point, it's more about the versatility than and the expectation of consistency from it um because like you said I'm I'm, I think he's got a pretty strong handle for his size um and his his full tool set athletically just let him either blow by dudes or just power through them to get to the line 5.7 attempts per game when he gets going downhill he's pretty tough to stop and he does have some pretty major highlights creating on the perimeter against bigger defenders so the versatility on offense isn't just as a a spot-up shooter, and an energy scorer. Um, it's clear he's worked on that ball-handling ability for uh, a decent amount of time. He could have some real grab-and-go ability at the next level, but, I mean, to me, the concern wasn't so much the dribble. It was when he did get to the rim because he was pretty middling in the half court, um, 55% scoring on post-up attempts around the basket, fifty six percentile. So for all his run and jump athleticism, he's not exceptionally fluid once he gets into the paint. And I think that that shows up most on those drive attempts.
0: Definitely. I think that stands out as something that we're probably going to end up having the same conversation with or similar conversation with Jalen uh, yeah Finishing, like the number sounds fine at 55%, but contextualized with a 6'8 guy that like you're saying has his strength and athleticism and build and frame and like an okay handle that he's working with um you would like that to be higher when when you're talking at at the college level um if you're okay with it i think we'll do a little i'll explain to me what Tari busting looks like mm-hmm. uh, and tell me if you have any disagreements with what i say but if not, okay. then maybe you can present the uh, what his boom looks like, what his ceiling looks like. Okay. So to me, um, defensively, I don't know that there's much I can take away. Like, I think Tari Eason is going to be an impactful defender in the NBA. Um, if you want to say a downside, it's that he's never able to, like, calm down a little bit and that he is constantly in foul trouble. Like, again... Um, I, I guess you could say, like, Damian Jones. Uh, again, very different players. I'm not trying to com- play- compare the, their styles of play. But, like, you're a positive but defender, but sometimes you just have to go sit down because you're in foul trouble. And I guess that's the downside on defense. But to me, more so, if Tari Eason is the low-end outcome that what him being a bust for his pick looks like to me is just he can't keep up on the offensive end. And it doesn't matter that he's doing what he's doing on defense because the shot doesn't end up falling at the NBA level. Like The growth is really impressive, and you see it across the board, right? Because Mm -hmm. freshman year at Cincinnati, again, 24% from three on 1.3 attempts per game, 57% from the free throw line on two attempts per game it's only seven of 29 throughout the whole year so take that for what it is um and then that for that to jump from 57 percent of the line to 80 percent from the line on more than double the amount of attempts more than i to say like quadruple the amount of attempts there um i see the reason to believe but i think that to me what Sin being a bust looks like is that he just is ignored on the offensive end and I don't know that I... Like, I would bet against that happening. I actually kind of view Tari weirdly as this guy that's like a high floor, high ceiling. Like, I know we said that same wording for Jabari, but it's not to the same extent, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, I think that's like kind of absolute worst case scenario for Tari. I would be shocked if that happened, to be honest. I, I think when it comes to... Even if, say, the shot isn't falling, and he, but he's an okay driver, um, and... Oh, we didn't mention his passing, actually. You know, the, the passing numbers don't look great. One assist per game and 2.2 turnovers. I thought that there were moments that I was like, yeah, that was, that was something. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that he's an initiating an in offense or anything, but I thought he was a good decision maker and sometimes had an aspect of, like, trying things. But I'm like, oh, I like that you saw that, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I think, where, I think where, that where kind of – Where am
1: I with there? I kind of think that speaks to um, – where his aggressiveness really comes out. Cause he's not a dude who's just aggressive in the framework of his current skills. He's a dude whose aggressiveness shows up in those secondary skills that he's clearly trying to develop. Um, like he whips a smart pass every now and then it's just not consistent and not as often as often as not, it led to turnovers. Um, he does have a borderline case of tunnel vision to me that's the biggest area of os- offensive growth. He can get stuck on autopilot as a dribbler and miss doubles coming at him. But as often as not, he could figure out where the ball needed to go. So it's definitely something he needs to work at. He's um, – it, it, he's, he's, it, it's definitely something he's got to get better at. It's not something I'm in, overly concerned with because I don't think his – Role at the next level will will be so much that he's getting doubles thrown at him. And I think there's a real chance that suddenly we're looking back at him like, wow, he's making good passes here. Um, but you know, it, it, he needs to prove it. Um, now in terms the, of the floor his floor
0: that I presented,
1: I think that floor is realistically a bit scary because you know, like I said, his volume as a shooter is just not there to prove anything more than his free throw numbers, which in a way has been shown to be one of the most important numbers for a shooting prospect coming into the NBA. 80% is 80%. Um, that all said, this is the first year that scouts have really gotten to see him be a average or better shooter. This isn't, he didn't like, he wasn't a great shooter in high school who just had one really bad year at Cincinnati. This is clearly a growth for him. Um, So suddenly he comes in and teams are just like, no, you're Mo Harkless. I'm not going to worry about you on offense.
0: And that's the last thing the Kings can have.
1: Yeah. That's the last thing the Kings can have. Um, So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he is the, Highest floor player. His defense sure is. I think he is a better defender than Mo Harkless. Um, better defensive prospect than Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless probably a better defender at this moment. Um, but I just see enough on offense where I think, okay, he's going to be versatile enough that teams aren't going to just be able to take away his shot and figure he can't do anything else.
0: I'm with you. I, I think that in my mind I was like presenting like what I see as like absolute worst case scenario I think that if I was giving like my expected realistic whatever wording of low-end outcome of Tari Eason it is a player that's like fine on offense he's maybe slightly below average but he's not just nothing out there like I I think that he's a fine three-point shooter like you know worst case are you talking like Chemezi Metu on offense like
1: no, I don't know. I, th- I I think his floor on offense okay. is higher than Chimezzi's. Um but yeah, I get it if if people disagree on that. So, so what does the ceiling of Eason look like? Um, the ceiling is the off the dribble stuff is real. Um, he figures out how to drive with more success at the next level. His playmaking gets unlocked. His aggression leads to him just figuring out so much more on offense. Um, and suddenly he's the third best scorer on a really good team and the best defensive event creator
0: a really good team could ask for. Is he ever sniffing all-star conversations? And again, we're talking like absolute ceiling. Absolute, again, absolute ceiling. Same same way I presented like to me what the floor is. It, not that I would necessarily bet on. I don't know.
1: All right. I did. I, I. I'm gonna hate making this comparison because this is the number one comparison you don't ever freaking make for a guy because this is the most insane growth we've ever seen from a college player. I watched a decent bit of Kawhi Leonard at San Diego State, and every once in a while, I just was like, "Wow, that looked like Kawhi Leonard to me at San Diego State." So,
0: yeah, it's funny. Um, you sent me a clip. You put in all, all the Kings Herald suck, Actually, it's so Kawhi Leonard. Like he, I think you. <laughs> I don't know if you titled it or if it Was already that way. Yeah, the yeah. claw. Yeah. I'll, right, I'll explain this
1: did. clip just so that people can understand what we're talking about. Um, he's coming over. As, yeah, he's coming over on help defense behind a dude, and he gets his hand on the ball around a guy, and just holds onto the ball so much so that this dude who has a straight line to the basket the ball just gets ripped out of his hands and immediately saw that. I was like, that's what quiet Leonard did to uh, Ben Macklemore many years ago. So, yeah.
0: Yes, definitely. And I'm with you. I, you know, like Jalen Brown is a, is a guy that comes to my mind a lot when I'm doing comps, not Tari Eason, but like in general, or you hear like people say Jimmy Butler for again, not Eason or just players in general of, you know, I've heard that like AJ Griffin, for example, or, Kawhi Leonard. I get lost with comparing people to guys that were even if they didn't win the award, right there in that conversation for winning a Most Improved Player at some point in their career because they had some outlier growth. Yeah, that you can't just bet on in a prospect. But yeah. it's one of those like, okay, everything else is there, and there's flashes. So like, what if it does work? You know, um, good fit for the Kings. Are yes, you like a little questionable, or I'm with you. If if it, the number one
1: concern is the shooting, because if that shooting doesn't hit, the Sacramento Kings just used their number one off uh, off season um, uh, trading chip on a non shooter, um, and this team can't afford that.
0: So they literally can't. As much as you they and I literally want them to be cannot. a not shit defense, they have to. Yeah. I, I think it's more important that you don't like get lost where you don't have any strengths anymore on your team because you're trying to cover your weaknesses. Like they have to be a really good Mm -hmm. offense. Yeah. So
1: I'm going to understand if Monty McNair passes on Tari Eason. Um, But the flashes are there where I really, really hope his scouting team makes a serious, seriously considers because um, even Tari Eason's realistic outcome Is pretty damn good for what this team is.
0: I am with you. I ended up liking him a lot more than I think I liked the idea of who I understood him as beforehand. Um, A lot more. I told you
1: he's he's Robert Woodard. He's Robert. He's what (laughs) you wanted Robert Woodard to be.
0: What Robert Woodard will be. He's. (laughs) This isn't over, (laughs) Bryant. Any final thoughts? On Tar Eason before we move on to Jalen Duran here. Go watch him; he's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And he played some good teams where you can maybe watch a couple prospects at once. Um, okay. Jalen Duran's going to be a more complicated fit. He's a big. Like I said, I thought Eason was a big going into it. To me, I'm like, okay, no, he has big skills, but he has wing and forward skills a lot as well um jaylen duran i don't think there's really two ways about it like to me he's a center um right there's no is there any maybe he's a four no 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 okay, that, just making sure yeah making sure I thought, I, I thought so just making sure
1: i mean he he's not necessarily a center who can't play with another center but that center that he's playing with has to be very specific the constructed and uh
0: it has to yeah. be the guy that we all say like Sabonis needs. They both yeah, need the exactly. same big next to them. Like being blunt, they're a shit fit. Jalen Dern is a bad fit with the Kings. And the only way I like see it becoming a thing is if they the Kings just absolutely believe in his upside, which I do think is exists. Um so <laughs> uh I do think that upside absolutely exists, and after they picked Davion Mitchell last year, I'm genuinely not going to just discredit anything. I will never again just, like, not put a bunch of research into a guy, because I'm like, why the hell would they ever do this? It doesn't make any sense. At this point, I put nothing past the Kings. And to me, Jalen Dern is a guy that doesn't make much sense, but you don't know because the upside is... There and I asked Monty McNair at the exit interviews to define best player available because this is something we had been talking about um, in the Slack the same day. And this uh, to me, like Davion Mitchell, you're probably considering immediate impact. Um, we did get a woge tweet in the middle of this, and I feel like I have to read really this and react <laughs> to it. Bryant just sent it to me. Anybody watching on YouTube, Bryant had an amazing reaction on his face. I was like, holy shit, what oh, happened? It wasn't Woj, the Woj one that got that sources. reaction. Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to read the Woj one first. Uh, ESPN yes. ESPN sources, the Sacramento Kings have secured permission to interview several assistants for their head coach job, including Golden State's Mike Brown, Brooklyn consultant Steve Clifford, Milwaukee's Darvin Ham and Charles Lee, and Boston's Will Hardy. I think that's the first time I've heard Will Hardy's name uh, It is there. And then Sham Sharania. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The Sacramento Kings will interview Mike Dantoni. That's fine. Uh, and Mark Jackson uh, for their head coaching job. Among other, among over a handful of total candidates, sources tell me, and Sam Amick. Shout out, Sam. The Kings have done background on vast majority of available coaches and narrowed to a small group. I don't know that a d'antoni i I certainly didn't expect i i thought that it would just be talked about by like us in conversation (laughs) like hypothetical i don't know that i expected to see shams or Woj dropping d'antoni's name attached to the kings yeah but we won't Uh, get too into it i just wanted to read and react i couldn't not um and pretend like it wasn't there a tweet about the kings i have to why isn't Kenny Atkinson's name in that Woj tweet? I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. That's um, a really good list
1: aside from uh, Mark Jackson, but, you know, which, why isn't Kenny Atkinson
0: there? Dude, I, I would be so shocked. I wouldn't understand. if If anybody wants to, real quick, I guess, tiny little tangent. If you want to understand, like, why Mark Jackson is just not the right coaching hire despite him being successful – during the time he was with in Golden State, when, by the way, he had two of the best shooters of all time. We just didn't quite realize it yet. And he did, to be fair. Mark Jackson told everybody, I have the best shooting backcourt of all time, and nobody believed him. I think Mark Jackson is good at motivating people. I think he'll go to extremes to motivate people to the point where he's making shit up. If you look up Mark Jackson's stories, there are so many out there. Uh, I've asked around a little bit to, like, try to confirm shit and i don't i don't have confirmations on any specific stories but definitely like a oh yeah no i hear a lot of stories too and i'll just say like vivek was part of golden state staff There's stories directly between harrison barnes and mark jackson which who knows the validity of that but like there were many people that if this stuff is true about mark jackson that he's doing all this extra over the top stuff behind the scenes So many members of the Sacramento Kings were directly witnessing that. I would be shocked if Mark Jackson was hired. It kind of feels like Mark Jackson's name is thrown in absolutely everything. And like Woj and his agent are just on good terms.
1: Uh, The fact that it says we'll interview Mark Jackson makes me, uh, I was really enjoying that list until we got to that.
0: Tough Ugh. one, tough. One. All right. Day. Well, all right. I know we Sorry, have. Yeah. Then. No, you're <laughs> good. I'm. I. Yeah. I want to dive more into that, but we do have Jalen during. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna play this Monty clip. Let's do this <laughs> first. I was segueing into this. I asked McNair what best player available means to him, which I saw some people, uh, saying they think it's a stupid question. It's not. You know, he's like obviously just the best player. Like, it's. How much is a factor of immediate contributions compared to what is going to be their absolute best uh, um, uh, long-term potential ceiling outcome? So here's McNair, and, and he references Davion Mitchell in it because part of my question was you you mentioned that you thought Davion was the best player available last year, and what does that mean? So here's Monty McNair. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refunds. Subscription auto renews.
1: 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming. Only on Hulu. Look at us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys
0: a real honeymoon. Shots,
1: shots, shots.
0: Now streaming.
1: He was just
0: released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation
1: into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends Two, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. Yeah, I think for us, the, the draft is um, one of the few times that you can add, you know, usually a, a younger player, right? Often, guys when they reach free agency, um, you know, they're they're multiple years into their career, um, and so you know, somebody like Davion, um, already an impactful, winning player, and then uh, the work ethic, the character, all that to continue to grow. So. Uh yeah, I, I don't know if it's you know, we want a guy who's gonna impact from day one and and hopefully for years and years to come. Um, so you know, it's hard to give maybe a very specific answer there, but yeah, we want the player that's gonna come in and um you know and help us uh, you know, not just for one year or not just five years from now. So uh best player for us is is the guy that's gonna do that regardless of position and and different things like that.
0: what stands out there, Bryant? Cause to me, it's a, uh, we can't take a project. Oh shit. I shouldn't have said that. Um, will <laughs> you know, anybody like long term, it's not just your one that matters.
1: Um, I mean the, the, the backtrack there does stand out to me. Um, you, when you, when you first got that quote and you said that over to me, I was immediately like, ah, oh, well, they're not taking AJ Griffin. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that it also kind of speaks to um, Jalen Duran is a project player, so it it it's it's hard for me to see them thinking, "Oh, this dude will contribute from day one." But I want to go have a, a different conversation about best player available versus fit, because I think so often that conversation immediately gets backtracked to. Well, there's never a point where you should take the uh, uh, Worry about fit when it comes to drafting. You should always think about best player available. And you know, you and I subscribe to tier drafting. Um, I will never ever argue for somebody to be drafted over a higher tier player, regardless of fit. That's how bad picks are made. But I am, I don't like hearing Monty's just going to pick best player available as the end all discussion point for how this team should move forward. Because if the only thing that Monty McNair's, McNair is going to do is literally list out an entire big board and not worry about tiers for fit conversations, he can't have another Davion Mitchell this year. He can't have another dude who, even if he's ready to contribute immediately, doesn't have a natural playing Fit on this team doesn't have an immediate way to impact this team and earn minutes. And while it's easier to see now why Davion was the pick last year because Tyrese Halliburton got traded halfway through the season and now there's an opening at the guard position, you're going to tell me that the Sacramento Kings are going to draft a mid-to-low post-center. And trade Sabonis? Is that the conversation we're having?
0: So, Bryant, I'm with you, but you can take those exact words last offseason and be like, so you're going to tell me they're going to draft a guard and trade Tyrese? Are we really having that conversation? Because <laughs> we shouldn't, but we kind of have to. It like
1: If, if he trades Sabonis this year, it will definitely be even more surprising than it would. him trading Halliburton last year it would
0: yeah. absolutely I, i'm with you i'm kind of just tongue-in-cheek you know um okay i get so your get point into... it's, a, it's a it's a funny point <laughs> and there is an aspect of like just if you believe that that is the best player available which Again, part of why I asked this question because I don't know what best player available means. Everybody has none their of us own, like do. different definition. It sometimes yeah. is a little bit of a cop out answer to just be like he was our, he was the best player left on our board. Like, why, why? <laughs> um. Oh, look,
1: uh, your buddy James Ham just confirmed Kings will begin virtual interviews with coaching candidates next week. Confirm the initial list includes Mark Jackson, Steve Clifford, Mike D'Antoni, Mike Brown, Charles Lee, Darvin Ham, and Will Hardy. In-person Damn. meetings expected after the first round of Zoom
0: interviews. Calling James right after this. Absolutely. <laughs> Could have left it out. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I love that this dropped in the middle of it. Yeah. You don't get Woj and Shams tweets all too often. When you get a Wait. notification on your phone, it says Sacramento somewhere. I start to freak out a little bit. Last time, my best friend got traded, so I don't know what the hell is going on here. <laughs> um, um, I,
1: I can begin the... Um, If you don't mind, I'll begin the uh, Jalen Duran conversation about this because while it's easy for me to sit here and be like, I don't see the immediate role for him next year. I don't want to pretend that there's not some fit here or that there's not upside here to where I wouldn't see the argument for him as a best player available. Because like he's listed in the top eight of any experts, big board for a reason. this dude is 6'11", 7'5", wingspan, 250 pounds. 7'5". 7'5", wingspan, 250 pounds, 18 years old on draft day. Um, fully elite, no hesitation in saying that. NBA athleticism across the board. Explosiveness, power, strength, foot speed, you name it, he's got it. Plays with a rare level of tenacity and power, even among the recent crop of power bigs. Um, and he is just as dynamic a rim protector as you could possibly ask for. Um, I, he has absolutely no regard for his or any human's life when it comes to protecting the rim or even the laws of physics, 2.1 blocks per game, 3.2 stocks per 36, 9.9% block rate, which off the top of my head, I can't think of another dude who got that high aside from maybe Chet. So um, his intersection of athleticism and length just makes him able to swat shots that a very small selection of NBA bigs could get to. So, uh, like you're telling me, the Kings one of the Kings' biggest needs is for a rim protector. Hey, that fits on paper. Little Ooh, else does. As that little <laughs> else does, but hey, if you're gonna tell me this 18 year old built like Adonis. Is a great rim protector and maybe the best player available at pick seven. If the kids take him, I'll understand it and I'll be excited for it. I just won't understand the full complexity of the fit, given that this is a team that has a very clear expectation next year and just used their uh, best trade asset, their only pick, on a dude who has otherwise complicated fit. With Sabonis.
0: so You know what's going to be funny is that we're going to totally end up in a position where the Sacramento Kings are sitting there, let's say pick nine, because apparently I'm just laying out a doomsday scenario. And we're looking at who's left on the board, and it's just going to be like, oh my God, Jalen Duren's the only guy left in this tier.
1: <laughs> like, If we fall to pick nine, maybe. Pick seven's going to be, if, if they're in six or eight, I mean... It's a, it's a Keegan Murray, um, yeah, Benedict Nathrin, Tari Eason is going to be in that tier for me. Um, it's easy so. for
0: me if I prepare myself for the worst case, and then <laughs> I can only be impressed and happy from that point. Um, the, the worst case scenario is Ty Ty Washington. <laughs> Just forget it. There it is. Already. Yeah. Next episode, Ty Ty Washington. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, to get a little bit further into Dern, because I do think, yeah, I mean, like you said, one of, if not the youngest guy that's going to go, at very least, in the first round. Um, And there is a rim-running, athletic as heck, rim protector, who is also, I think, a really good, I don't know that I'm going to elite, I think it's potential to be elite, but a really, really good pick-and-roll roll man. Um and didn't do too much of
1: it at Memphis. It no, was
0: in a- the passing is interesting to me. Like I, I'm very yep. intrigued by the short roll passing. That's also admittedly like just nothing gets me going more than short roll passes. <laughs> I don't know what it is in basketball. It's just I love it. Big Sabonis guy. Um so I see the potential, but at the same time, like the floor, well, that's a player that I think is very valuable to winning basketball financially and just what the league values right now it's not the most valuable when you're talking that floor but again this is an 18 year old where you see how it becomes more than that right yeah Um, what are what are the skills that stand out to you um of okay this if this works then this is how he become he's a different tier of a player
1: Uh, there is a chance that he becomes one of the most dangerous vertical spacers, pick and roll spacers in the league. Um, if his, if his shot comes around at all, where that pick and roll becomes pick and pop, that's just more versatility. Um, you know, do you believe
0: believe in a pick and pop at all? He shot one, three all year.
1: (laughs) He he had such a, yeah. Um, Let me get to those numbers. He he is a non-shooter right now, um, outside of 62.5% from the free throw line. Um, He had a couple solid touch on jumpers in and just outside of the paint, but there is no volume to speak of. He went 8 of 22 on half-court jumpers. None of them were threes. Um, I could hear the argument that his mechanics on those rare jumpers, like especially later in the year, um, his conference tournament, games were more showcases of this uh his mechanics don't look bad i just wouldn't expect much until his team makes it a developmental priority that said he's just 18 so it's not a terrible spot to start at
0: it's certainly not and that's a big aspect of durin and and talking yourself into his upside and being a top 10 guy like Vicini has him in in his top ten on on the latest big board that he did. By the way, this is Will Griffiths, Draft, draft Crush. Shout out to Will, my barber. By the way, anybody needs a haircut, hit up Will. Um,
1: Will Will is Will has been rolling his eyes the last ten minutes of this conversation because yeah, his yeah. only his point about uh, Durin is who the heck are we to? Pretend we have any understanding of uh, what Monty McNair values in a player.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dale kind of. Uh, I talked to him about it the other day, and it was very much like, a, from my understanding, I started saying it as a joke because what the hell, they picked Davion. Like, Who am I to say they're not going to pick J- Dur- Jalen Durin. Monty continues to do the shit that we expect him not to do. And I think some of the Kings Herald guys fighting back on that take just made him double, triple down. (laughs) I absolutely understand that mindset. I think I've done the exact same thing. I think I've hung on to Robert Woodard a lot longer than I would have if you guys weren't attacking me about it all the time. But I have to, to defend my pride, you know? Uh, um, So I get, yeah, I don't know that I can talk myself like into the shooting for Duran. right? It's one of those difficult things for me. The passing, you see flashes. Like I don't see I the handle didn't no. stand out because there's no handle. Like Yeah. His passing whole, is a lot
1: better than his handle.
0: Yes. Like I for Tari Eason and again what there's a two year difference between them. Um at least. Yes. Again, Durin, uh, one of I think it's, the youngest guy in the draft
1: class. I think it's two and a half. 'Cause okay. uh Duran's still gonna be eighteen by the draft, Tari's gonna turn twenty one. Right before the draft.
0: Yeah. But to me, like, when we're talking during upside, I get the hypothetical because he's this very young player who is extremely athletic. And just, like, that molding block of clay, getting the chance to work with that and make it into whatever a team views to be the best possible outcome, like, I I get why that's intriguing. But to me, there's not enough flashes of other skills to where i'm like okay now if that just clicks and happens more often like the shooting for example he does this like yeah a little fade away i guess but it doesn't i don't know those i don't know what it is mid-range fadeaways maybe i'm showing my youth here those don't do anything for me anymore to be honest <laughs> um yeah i just you know you know, do you do you get what I'm saying there? And did you feel the same way? Like I just don't know that I see very many flashes of Duran where I'm like, okay, where is the star upside? It doesn't have it doesn't have to be there, but I feel like sometimes he's talked about that way.
1: I I, I don't see the star upside in him, but I do want to emphasize that it's hard for me to ding him too much because. Memphis was just such a messy team this year. Like, I don't want to trash the Tigers because they were a young team. They really started to get it late together later in the year. Um, And they did go like 22 and 11, which was third in their conference, Uh, had two good wins against Houston, won an NCAA tournament game, uh, kept it pretty dang close with Gonzaga. But, like, this team just wasn't the best situation for evaluating talent. Penny Hardaway – didn't have a true playmaker this year, and it really showed. Um, they ended up like 26th in the nation for assists, and they were top third in the country for pace, and top third of all teams. Uh, but they were also eighth in the nation for turnovers per game, and a lack of a true floor general really did kind of limit what they were doing with Durin outside of transition and ball screens. Um, and considering that literally a fourth of all of his offense was post-ups, you know that NBA teams are going to be drafting him based on everything else that he shows in his game uh, rather than what he was utilized at Memphis. So he's a he's a more complicated evaluation to me than Tari Eason because a lot of what Tari did at LSU is stuff that teams want to see, shooting off the dribble, drive to the basket, flashing handles. Meanwhile – literally 25% of Jalen Duran's offense was post-a-plays. So, I don't know. I think there's just so much low-hanging fruit, none of which leads me to think he's going to be a star on the offense.
0: The one that I did hear um, was, or an example of a player being asked to play a certain role at college that is just not... The best scenario that's going to display what they're capable of at the NBA level because it's just different was Isaiah Stewart of Washington. They that's just fed really him one. up nonstop, yeah. nonstop, and I was like, I guess like the touch is interesting. If big men having a good touch, I think is very important. That's one of the things that may be a little skeptical of Tari Eason, uh, but again, more like wing forward type. When um, Jalen Duren, absolute big man. around the rim on non post-ups, which is 93rd percentile. Like his prototype has to be good at that. And he is. Um, But you know, there are examples, right. Of guys. And I I was initially going to ask you if you can think of examples, but for some reason it popped into my head at the same time. Is there others outside of Isaiah Stewart?
1: Um, I think the NBA as a whole has gotten pretty good with being patient on project bigs. Um, if you look back at the last couple of years, sometimes like good teams won't they, be patient. They were patient with Willie Colley Stein.
0: <laughs>
1: he, uh, Jalen Duran's going to come and seize the throne that Willie Colley Stein scoffed at. Like that's, he's the dude that we thought we were getting when they drafted Willie Colleystein Stein. Um, but like the, the two first names that come to mind are James Wiseman and Jalen Smith. And those are two instances of good teams overvaluing Project Bigs and not being patient enough for them. But otherwise, like the list when it comes to later lottery or all the way down to the 20s is pretty good. Um, Isaiah Stewart's a really good one. Uh, Pokashevsky's another one. Precious was doing good things in Toronto. Um, it doesn't mean they got immediate playing time. Like, Stewart's the only dude on that list who got serious minutes his rookie year. Uh, Isaiah Jackson didn't get that much playing time even for Indiana this year. For Kai Detroit. Jones. Uh, Kai Jones. Well, no, Indiana is like a bottom four team.
0: and yet I mean, uh, he... Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart. He's allowed yeah. to play through his mistakes on that yes.
1: team. Uh, Indiana didn't want to do that. Uh, Charlotte sure didn't do that with Kai Jones. I think Kai Jones got like 26 minutes this year. Um, but, you know, these are... This is what teams do with project bigs now. Hey, come in. Just know that you're going to sit there for a year or two of practice, and then we'll see what you can be. Um, mm. And and that staple of how teams have handled these kind of energy project bigs in the last couple of years makes me think that's what is going to happen with Jalen Dern. And just can you see Monty McNair doing that?
0: I. I I don't know that I can like see Monty McNair doing anything. I think that it's just <laughs> whatever the hell happens at this point, he shocks me every turn. Um, there's no fucking way it's Jalen Turner that the Kings take, right? Like, I, I mean, I said the same thing about Davion <laughs> Mitchell. I can't tell you how, like, I, I don't know that I've the last time I was so genuinely shocked by something than when that tweet popped up. <laughs> and it's just like no, no they're, they're trading it like what is this like and you weren't live on just, the radio i forgot
1: about that yes
0: <laughs> shout and out to our buddies D-Lo there and KC. Second, yes there's a slight delay when i'm watching obviously compared to when i see the tweet in a way i get to watch you react to it that was phenomenal i forgot that happened um yeah shout out 13 20, ESPN 1320 d and kc obviously great guys i try to think of a. Uh, you know, we didn't do this for Tari Eason, a, a comp. And again, I feel like I have to say this every time because people will take it too literally. There's oh. issues with comps in every which way, I but I do think there's value in trying to explain what sort of just contextualizing a, a player. And like I'll, I'm going to say Clint Capella is a guy that stood out to That's me a good one for Jalen Duran when you're talking about, okay, who is a guy that really is just a rim runner? but very valuable by just being elite at those skills of protecting the rim, being a really good role man in the pick and roll and great in transition running the floor. And Clint Capella is the one that stands out to me like their their different athleticism and fluidity. But when I'm trying to think of, okay, what is a low and what's an outcome where he doesn't have some outlier growth in a skill that maybe I didn't see flashes for that I believe in? But instead, he just becomes borderline elite at what we already view him as. And to me, it's a Clint Capella caliber player, which the Kings very much, well, it doesn't make sense with Sabonis anymore. But
1: yeah, unless unless the shoot, unless he suddenly comes around and is a a really good floor spacer, the fits just really weird. Um, I like the Capella comparison. That's a really good one. Um, I think you just have to look back a couple years t- to what the Kings were trying to do with Willie Colley-Stein on both ends of the court. That's what Jalen Duran's going to be. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he's an Evan Mobley-type perimeter defender. Um, I think he had really good games. That Gonzaga game kind of sticks out when he got swapped onto Andrew Nemhart and, and handled him really well. Um, but, you know, that kind of super versatile defender who's also a really good rim protector and then a pick and roll big man who can really space the floor on lob passes. I think that's his both his floor and uh, being a capable starter with that skill set is his realistic outcome to me.
0: Yeah, which uh, I, I think yeah, the Capella thing was I think somewhat eye opening for me. Because again, I was like, you know, I, I really value these skills, but it just doesn't seem like there's very many players in the league that are valued by just doing those things. And I'm like, oh no, okay, Capella is that guy. And yeah, I don't, I'm not somebody that's like, oh, Capella's overpaid or anything like that. You know, I think when he was in Houston, there were questions, but they just didn't use their bigs enough and things like that. Super important aspect of a Atlanta team that is built similarly in the way that they're a good. They're built to be a damn good offense and just a good enough defense, just not shit. And Clint Capella is the reason that they weren't absolute trash on defense. I know they still were pretty rough. And I will say, obviously, Onyeka Kongwu became an aspect of that as well. I felt like I was like getting told Onyeka Kongwu through your eyes right there when I didn't mention him. <laughs> um, bigger,
1: a so, uh, b- bigger Onyeka.
0: With so with Jaylen, way less shooting outside, For sure. For sure. I mean, I'm taking on for sure. Um Yeah. But yeah, Jalen Dern doesn't make much sense, but I think it's important to understand the entire layout of a draft, no matter, because if you are sitting at a pick and based on the big board that that you made, and I think it's important to make a kings centric one but then also just a general big board based on how you view the talent level of each one of these guys because again the reaching through tiers is where i maybe have an issue Mm -hmm. right um if you're sitting there and and Jalen urn is just to you and probably ideally you know intel around with some of the other teams that Jalen urn is also highly valued and you understand the way you're able to like make that argument it's it's good to have that understanding to then go out and know how to capitalize on, on trade situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it's important to know all this stuff, even though he's one of the guys that just straight up doesn't make any sense next to, uh Sabonis, you know, even Davion Mitchell, like I talked myself into it by the end of the day, probably, I think, I don't know, maybe not the end of the day. It's probably <laughs> a little too much, but you can talk yourself into it. Like, I don't even know how you talk yourself into Durin. Um, So I I had that little, I guess dropped an okay comp for Durin a couple. Did you have anything for Tari Eason? Like I genuinely didn't know. I think I could have put more time into it and maybe come up with something, but there's nothing that stood out.
1: No, nobody that really stood out. That was like a anywhere. Realistic. Um he He's really kind of a unique player in terms of his uh, havoc defense from a four. Is he like a
0: discount Isaac Okoro? <laughs>
1: <laughs> a discount Isaac Okoro? I think he's a slightly bigger Isaac Okoro with more shooting promise.
0: For sure. It, it's offensively like, you know, Okoro, better passer and, and an elite yes. finisher. Yeah. To where it's like, okay, the handle is intriguing because when you are driving in, if you get to the rim, you're probably going to finish it, and you're going to make a really good decision with the ball. Eason has promising passing, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just – I'm reaching here, Brian. I'm, I can't think of something for Tari Eason. No, me it's neither. Tough. I'm trying is to that, look at this. Does that, like, scare you away at all? Like, no. If you're ever like, I can't think of a prototype. No. I, I don't uh, give a shit when it's top guys like a Chet Holmgren. I don't care that I can't think of a comp for this guy that is just an absolute it, controlling the game on on both ends of the floor. But like middle of the lottery, do you start to be like, ah, I don't know. There's nobody like this that's worked before.
1: Not really, because my love of uh, comparisons ended when I realized that NBA Draft Net was skewing my vision of of how to compare players um it's more just skill set like Tari easton clearly does something on the defensive end that the kings really need and has enough offensive versatility to where i'm concerned but not overly worried about the the floor versus ceiling outcome
0: so yeah we're gonna dive more into guys so I'm at a point where I'm not locking in any takes, so I won't force you to do that either. Hey. But do you think it sounds like this is a yes, but just to get a hard answer from you, do you think Tari Eason going to be somebody that to you is like seriously in the conversation? If the Kings say stick at seven or fall to eight,
1: I think both of these guys will be in the tier that overlaps where the Kings will end up drafting. If it's seven to nine, um, and I understand the case for either of them, but in terms of since I'm going to have them on the same tier, like I see their defensive upside being very similar. Duren's is probably higher because he's bigger and, and more explosive, but also the offensive upside is, is in my mind more limited for Duren. So I think I'll have them both in the same tier and yeah, I, Tar Eason's going to be a likely favorite for me in two months. But hey, check back with me in two months. Maybe we'll have watched so many guys that will be like, I can't even think about Tar Eason anymore. I'm suddenly in love with Jeremy Sochan.
0: Right. Yeah. Which, yeah, another guy where I have to admit, like, I'm probably a little late to get a really good understanding of these guys. Like, there's a handful of, I mean, prior to a week and a half, two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. like, I thought I had an like very basic idea of who Tari Eason was, and I knew right when I started. I'm like, oh, I was I have no I had no clue what this guy was. Not a big. He's of like a forward wing type skill set. Um, yeah, I think this is gonna be. I don't know. It's it's always fun. I love doing draft stuff. I'm glad that we're here. Um, I am, you know, gonna tentatively say like I I think Tari Eason's probably gonna be in that conversation for me too, but I'm very much being a baby and not wanting to <laughs> avoiding every way possible to lock in any takes at this point. And I think that I'm, I'm noticing t- that I, like at some point like I have to lock in takes about guys that we're talking about when we're going into full profiles, but I'm avoiding it as long as I can until I have like 15 guys, you know, because it's yeah. all contextualized. Um, do you have I, I have two in mind that I'd like to do next. I want to run by you, see what you think. You so go, I, I, think I'm, I picked these two. I picked the two it works that about. we did like Chet Jabari. We do very top prospects. And then we do Taris and Jalen Duran, two guys that are still lottery prospects, but not at the very top. And then kind of, we alternate back and forth, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, I really am interested in getting to know Johnny Davis better. Okay. somebody that I, I know that like I think it's outlier people but like Matt Penny for example who does the game theory pod with um Sam Vassini which Vassini's freaking phenomenal work of course anybody not reading Vassini I don't know what you're doing if I don't know a prospect the very first thing I'm doing is do, dive into what has Vassini said about him to give me a basic idea Um, but I know Matt Penny is like a Johnny Davis like borderline True. I don't know exactly where it was yeah like 5, 6 like I see Devin Booker like um, and don't I don't take that as a direct quote from him or nothing I've just heard a combination of both those things but I know there's people that's really high on Johnny Davis I don't have a great understanding of him and I think that we can pair him in with Jaden Ivey that sounds good that all right?
1: um, yeah that's a good pairing
0: alright and Mark Jackson obviously will be a part <laughs> of the conversation of course uh,
1: we been yeah. having such a good day and then Shams just had to ruin it, and then James Tari just Easton. had to drive the stake into my heart.
0: Yeah, how dare he? How dare he? We have to go from Tari Eason to Mark Jackson. What are they doing to us? It's like the Mark Jackson. Of our was, brand. Mark Jackson would come
1: in and have Tari Eason glued to the bench until uh, the right coach came in and was like, "Hey, he's a defensive player of the year candidate."
0: Mm. Where have we really heard that happen? Before? Is is that Tom Thibodeau's somehow going to become a thing? And the next thing we know, like Taj Gibson is starting next to Demontis Sabonis, <laughs> Just fully preparing myself for. I will say, unexpected.
1: if Eason lasts to New York, he's the most Tibbs prospect I can think of. Oh my god, he is. He's kind of he kind of like a, a new age Taj Gibson. <laughs> he
0: is. He is. Yeah, there we go. We it out. Like, I don't know how to take that. Taj Gibson I would be really... a compliment.
1: Todd Gibson was one of the best defenders on those Chicago teams.
0: It was. You're very. You're very right. Um, he's just a very outdated skill set, to be honest. Like Eason is a. I can't think of a good one. But I'll say it anyway. It's a total <laughs> joke. Like a modern Greg Monroe. Like, oh god. It's not right <laughs> at know. all. I just <laughs> try to think of some other outdated place style. Yeah, anyway, a Marvin Bagley. Um <laughs> all right. Closer. Yeah. Um <laughs> Bryant Bryant West, any final thoughts from the draft expert?
1: <laughs>
0: Armchair scout. Um
1: yeah, go watch these dudes. They're fun. Uh Tari Easton is an uh, a absolute insane man on the basketball court and uh Jalen Duren was very aware that he was the biggest, strongest dude that he'd ever match up with in college. Um, I mean, if you want to see Insanity, go watch Gonzaga Memphis because uh, Jalen Duren was just absolutely determined to posterize Chet Holmgren, and it didn't work. It worked one time, and Twitter decided that that was the end of Chet Holmgren as, as an elite prospect, but nobody else highlighted the other, like, five times when Chet Holmgren just... Stiny like the him.
0: play before, like literally, yes. like um, within the minute beforehand when yeah. Chet blocked him. That's one thing, I guess. Like real quick on on Duran, like he has great athleticism. I think he still has to get better at using that strength and athleticism. Um, not necessarily yes. bad at it or avoiding it or anything, but it's like holy crap, you're a ridiculous athlete. You could use that a little bit more, um. Bryant, that's all I got, man. Um. I appreciate you coming on. Do you have a rough idea when we're getting a legendary, uh, draft
1: (laughs) (laughs) from you? Not until after the lottery for sure. Gotcha. But it's in progress and in every one of these, uh, podcasts helps me frame it more and more. So
0: Jalen Duran, first profile on the way. Clearly. All right. Well, I'm gonna make you do the uh, Shaden Sharp profile. I know you said that shit. That sounds horrible, dude. Like, I think I'm gonna like end up talking myself into Sharp or something. But like, it's just I'm, sure you, I'm you know, sure you will. Tape. I'm sure you will. We're gonna get. You already know who I'm talking about, but I want to throw out names and promise something that doesn't actually end up happening. But definitely have someone in mind that's just gonna come on and be the guest that can just talk about Sharp because and yeah, save me a little bit of research should be much much appreciated all right well eventually there will be a profile from bryant and eventually from myself at some point here i'm probably yeah. on the same timeline as you um if not later and currently there's season profiles up on the king's herald going through that whole cycle and you know gonna be updating anything that goes on with this coaching search and when mark <laughs> jackson already is has hired a piece in yeah. the span
1: of us doing one podcast uh Oh no, sorry, Akis posted a uh, whole report on it, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were, yes, we're definitely getting messages in the middle of this, and it was kind of a Mm -hmm. funny process, not gonna lie. But, great work, as usual, year round, going on at the King's Herald from all the great guys and gals there, myself and Brian included. So definitely take a look at the site and Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.